This message was presented at the GYC 2015 conference called Chosen Faithful in Louisville, Kentucky. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you. We're here together. We have an opportunity to, to study, to learn, to practice, to prepare for service for you. And Father, I pray that you'll bless each seminar today, each young person, each older person, each one of us, as we focus on finishing the work so Jesus can come. Bless us, and only you can. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. This is my wife, Kathy, and uh, we have been married. She's my best wife for a long time. <laughs> the only wife. Oh. I said that once. We were pastoring in Columbia, Missouri, and uh, was it a year later? Yeah. A year later, one of the church members said, now, has your husband been married before? Because he said you were his best wife. <laughs> I said, no, he would have been a small child to have been married. I have the privilege of, oh, Dwayne and I both are at the General Conference, and I have the privilege of working out of Elder Wilson's office for social media and outreach coordinator. So it's a, a wonderful time. If you go on Twitter and you see Elder Wilson's prayer requests and promises and Facebook prayer requests and promises, well, that's what I have the privilege of doing. Good. Good. And, and what's the most exciting thing you do? The most exciting thing we do is taking people on mission trips and having them preach. And when they make their first call and people come forward, that is so exciting. Everybody comes back to the hotel and is so excited. They say this is a life-changing experience. So we're so glad you're here. Oftentimes they say to us, too, I, now I know why I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. Now I know what, uh, why, like one lady said to us, she said, you know, I thought I was a Seventh-day Adventist because my grandfather worked at the General Conference in the ministerial department, but now I know why I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. So it's, it's exciting and thrilling. You don't have to go overseas to preach a series of meetings. You can preach in your home church or a neighbor's church, or someplace else here in America, or overseas. And we'll talk about a Rwanda trip that's coming up this uh, coming year. Well, it'll be uh, tomorrow is the next year, isn't it? Yeah, it's the coming year. So we're, we're going to Rwanda in May, May 13 to 28. And we'll be talking to you about how you can raise funds to go with us. And we have, uh, as you've seen on the signs coming in, the Mission Africa, we need 100 preachers and we're going to join 2,000 preachers, churches. We got an email from Awanda yesterday, and they said 2,300 meetings are going to take place in the country of Rwanda. Almost every church, I think they have around 2,500 churches, and they, uh, they have a bold new vision, just like we're going to show you for total member involvement. And Duane, you didn't introduce did. yourself. I guess I have the privilege of introducing you. Duane is the director of Sabbath School and Personal Ministries, but not only that, the, the big thing that is on his plate is assistant to Elder Wilson for total member involvement. 
And that is our thrust, is that's my outreach part and and Duane's. And uh, that's why we're coordinating the evangelistic meetings for overseas. And uh, we hope that you will join us in Rwanda. May, actually, they need to arrive May 11. May 11 into Kigali, and then depart on Sunday, May 29. The meetings will be start May 13, and end on Sabbath, the 28th of May. Rwanda is really the Switzerland of Africa. It's a beautiful place to go, and the, the it's in the mountains. The climate is very nice, and and it's very safe. You can tell mom and dad, grandpa and grandma, not to worry. There are countries around Rwanda that have had some turmoil. Burundi is right now. But Rwanda itself is very secure. And the government is very stable. And it's very safe. I know you've heard something about, what was it called? A genocide. What was it? A genocide. <laughs> Many years ago. But uh, that is all over. And there's, it's a very peaceful country. It's a very clean country. Actually, one Sunday, no, is that right? No, one Saturday, one Sabbath every month, they had clean day. And so everybody has to go up and pick up trash and clean the roads and sweep the streets and fill the potholes and work on the roads. It's the cleanest country, one of the cleanest countries in the world. So it's, it's very, very nice. It's interesting, everyone's required to do this, except Seventh-day Adventists. However, if you're going to church on Sabbath morning and not working, the police officers will stop you. And they'll say, where are you going? To church. Let me see your card to prove that you're a Seventh-day Adventist. <laughs> so Seventh-day Adventists once a month work on Sunday all day in the country, free labor. And it's a pretty neat deal. It really is. You go to a lot of countries in the world and enter in South America and some places is in Asia and and, and some places in Africa, and the countries are not very clean. But Rwanda is a very, very nice country. And so it's, we'll talk more about it and answer some of your questions later on. We have some brochures to pass out. But uh, that's one thing we'll be doing this next year. And the next year is, what country is that? I think in 2017 is Romania. Romania. 2018 is Japan. 2019 is India, and 2020 is Papua New Guinea and Indianapolis. and Indianapolis, yes. So lots of opportunities to go and share the gospel, but not only that, lots of opportunities in America too, I'm sure. So you can work with your own pastor, you can work with It Is Written, I know some people there that would be happy to have you work with them, and lots of opportunities here in the States and the different ministries that you can do. But talk to your pastor, talk to us. Uh, we'll hook you up. Whatever we can do to help, we'll, we'll do that. We're talking about extreme preaching, extreme experiences in life. Extreme sports are interesting. This is uh, not really her, but she did this four years ago tonight. Erin Langworthy, she uh, jumped off the uh, Victoria Falls Bridge, which is the highest, I think is the highest bungee jump in the world. It's 360 feet down to the water. You can uh, get a, that gives you a better view. <laughs> you can't see the bottom from there. They say it's an exhilarating, thrilling 
experience. <laughs> Head pounding, heart pumping experience. They say that it, they had taken down 50,000 people before it broke. So Dwayne said, you don't want to be the 50,000th 50, person. You want to be the 49,000th person. <laughs> it broke. It really did. As I mentioned yesterday, it broke, and she went plunging 60 foot below into the, the river. The crocs heard the splash. There are lots of crocs there. And they started swimming toward her. Uh, her problem was that as she surfaced, she couldn't swim because her feet were tied around the bungee, and the rope had stuck in the rocks below. So she had to dive back down, unhook herself, and then surface. She had a broken collarbone and some other. She wasn't too good a shape, but she had kept her wits about her, and she swam to the shore. A fisherman was there who helped her get out, and uh, the crocs didn't quite get there in time, fortunately. But that's extreme sports. You, you've watched some extreme sports on TV, haven't you? It's, it's heart-pounding, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's an amazing thing. However, I, I, I challenge you. One, one time, Kathy, we had a medical student. He was from Southern Adventist University. and uh, Well, he said, when we asked him what his experience was as he was preaching, and he said, if you want to do something extreme, just have an evangelistic series. Extreme preaching is the most exhilarating thing that you can do. He said some students at, at this university, I shouldn't have said the name, were doing some things they shouldn't be doing, as students would do, trying to have an extreme experience. You ever hear of that? kids doing that kind of crazy stuff. But he said, if you want the most extreme experience in your life, you get up in front of a group of people, <laughs> 200 in the States or 100 or 50 or 25 or, or 1,000 in Africa, and you preach a series of meetings, that is heart pumping and head pounding. That's extreme. And if you want that kind of experience, uh, if you haven't done it before, you need to do it. It really is. Some of you are going to say, that's not my gift. Is that right, Kathy? Well, I don't know if they're going to say it because they're here today. But sometimes people say that, that that's not their gift. But you know what? God has given us the Great Commission to go and preach and teach and baptize in Matthew 28. Those were his last words to his disciples. And so he's given every one of us the gift to share Jesus, to share the gospel, to share the truth. You know, we were just reading the other day, and you, you, you've probably heard this. Well, it's not my gifts. You know, the gifts of the Spirit, etc. Uh, Mrs. White talks about the gifts. It's, it was in uh, Christ Object Lessons, wasn't it? And, and it was interesting, as she said, she said, you know, she said, uh, we have natural gifts. Those are the gifts that God has given us. But we also have... We also have acquired gifts. And those are the gifts God gives us when we stretch ourselves, when we get out of our comfort zone and, and say, yes, Lord, I don't feel like I can do it, but I know that you're going to help me. Now, Kathy, you're going to give your experience in a few minutes, but you, you thought your gift was to pray, and you wouldn't even have prayer up front. <laughs> Anyone feel like that? <laughs> my gift, my too timid. I'm not going to get up front. Forget it. Do you know people like that? Yeah. Oh yeah. That's not my gift. That's not my gift. 
Oh, bless your heart. <laughs> if, you, if you get out of the boat and when you start to sink, that's when you need God the most. And when you jump out of the boat and say, I want that extreme experience, Lord. I want to stretch myself. And when you start to sink, you'll have a, the deepest experience that you can ever have with the Lord. And Kathy, you had that, didn't you? So these are gifts that God gives us as we stretch ourselves to have an extreme experience with him. Acquired, Acquired gifts, Mrs. White says. Acquired gifts. How much is a baby worth? <laughs> a million? Two million? <laughs> Hospital bills? <laughs> Kathy, we were having a series of meetings in Baguio in the Philippines. Up in the mountains, it's about 5,000 feet. And if you want to go to the Philippines, that's a nice place to go because it's cool, it's nice and comfortable. And Kathy flew into Manila, so I rented a car, had a friend of mine drive with me. He drove the car, and I went with him because I don't like driving. I've driven in lots of cities in the world, but Manila's terrible. <laughs> and so we, we get down the, uh, along the ocean, and we're driving along, and we see this, these watermelon stands. And I'm thinking, Kathy loves watermelons, and she just, she's just landing. I'm going to pick her up and take her back to Baguio. And I, I stopped at a watermelon stand, and this lady there was selling watermelons. And so as we stop, I, I get out, and I negotiate, and I buy three watermelons, nice watermelons, put them in the backseat of the car for $4. Now she's holding a little girl in her arms, no clothes on. It's hot. It's by the ocean, about six months old. And, and as we start to drive away, she says something to me that I'll never forget. She said, Mr., do you want to buy a baby? And I'm thinking, wow, just like you. <laughs> kind of sick at my stomach. <sighs> but I couldn't resist, so I said, how much? And she looked at the watermelons, three watermelons, $4.00. She looked at the baby, and she said, how about $40? Tears came to my eyes. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't say anything. I just rolled my window up. <laughs> and we drove down the road, and I asked myself, how much is a baby worth? How much? And then I thought of a text. Yeah. For God so loved the world that he gave his only whosoever. Yeah. Priceless, I think someone said a while ago. Priceless. John 3, 16, for God, let's read that together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Every baby ever born on this old ball of mud is a whosoever. You're a whosoever. Not good English, but it's, it's true. <laughs> We're all whosoever's, aren't we? Yeah. And Jesus would have died just for one, one baby. That's, that's why we do what we do, isn't it? That's why the Great Commission is so important to us as young people and as Seventh-day Adventists and as older people. We're all whosoever's. And God tells us to go and preach and teach and baptize, baptize and then teach them all things. Kathy, we mentioned about total member involvement. Um, it's a special program that we're working with with the General Conference, and it's to encourage 
everyone to be involved. That's pretty simple, isn't it? <laughs> Actually, Mrs. White says that the work won't be finished until we're all working together and all involved. And so that's what it's about. It's, it's getting involved some way. No, we don't all have to preach. We can pray. We can share. We can give Bible studies. We can knock on the door. Some of you went, how many went canvassing this week? Did some of you knock on doors here? Okay, good. That's great. I, I would rather preach than canvas. <laughs> but I did canvas, and the Lord blessed greatly when we were in college, Kathy. That's a different story, though, isn't it? We have a video clip, just a short one here. I think you'll enjoy it, about total member involvement. It was done at the general conference, and it's with Elder Mark Finley and Elder Ted Wilson, and a little bit for myself. Over 30,000 people were affected through this 
special outreach, which God says is the right arm of the gospel. One can praise the Lord and say, wow, that's great, it happened over there, but what am I going to do in my little place? And what about the difficult parts of the world? What about postmodern culture? I know this, some places are more difficult than others, but if you don't believe that you can win people for Christ in that setting, you won't win anyone. I want to tell you, the Lord has a job for all of us, and God is going to bless you regardless of how small the operation or how large. Doing something gives God an avenue to bless. And the real factor is your commitment to the Lord and to following Christ's method alone. How can I, as a church member, become involved in total member involvement? The first thing that I think is significantly important is to get on your knees and begin to pray. And say, Lord, I am consecrating myself to you. I'm giving myself to you. What do you want me to do? Whatever it is, whether it's to be an intercessor in prayer, concentrate on a prayer ministry, whether it is actively involved in health ministry, whether it's literature ministry, whether it's children's ministry, whether it's Bible study ministry or preaching. I just feel an overwhelming burden that all of us need to be involved. Everyone has a job that the Lord can provide. Everyone can be a missionary for Jesus. No matter whether you're in a sophisticated society or in a simple setting, God can use each of us. Jesus has given the Great Commission to go and preach and teach and baptize. The commission is to you personally, it's to me, no matter who you are. Why not get on your knees and say, Jesus, I want to be an active witness for you. I want to be involved, totally, completely involved with the entire church in total member involvement. San Antonio was mentioned there, and that's happened just a few Actually, a few weeks ago, and Eric, you were there with us, and you helped a lot, and continued with the church plant. And uh, they're they're telling me by in another year, they're hopefully hoping to have they have four church plants now, and uh, new churches there, and they hope to have another three. And so the conferences are working hard, and uh, a lot happened there uh, with the pathway to health. We'll talk about that uh, in a bit on how that can be a part of ministry. That's part of it, and uh, the. Medical work is, like, like uh, Elder Wilson said, is the right arm of the message, according to Mrs. White. We, should, we, we haven't used it to our advantage as we should have in the past, I don't think, in, in most places. Uh, there in Chitanguiza in Zimbabwe, 34,000 people came through uh, a medical project there. It was, it was rather amazing. They gave us a whole mall area, and they were able to use that. And then I think that's, I'm sure that's one of the reasons why so many were baptized in the inn in Zimbabwe. And something very similar will happen in Rwanda, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, the difference is Rwanda, we have a lot more churches involved. And so we know the Lord is going to bless in a marked way. We'll have ASI sermons. We'll be training the people there. And we'll tell you a little more about that later. But all the, all the local evangelism will be using ASI sermons. Some of us will have some new ones we're developing with the, uh, uh, I, I guess it's the General Conference sermons. And we're just doing that out of Finley's working with us, and we're going to use one of his and redo the whole sermon and uh, put new pictures in it. One thing, Elder Finley, he's, he's a great evangelist, and those, those uh, you go to the seminar, he's always inspiring and exciting, but uh, it's very 
difficult to preach his sermons as he preaches them because he usually has 180 to 200 pictures in him, and he talks very fast, doesn't he? And so the new sermons we're doing will have 80 pictures and make, make it a lot easier to, to use, and we can use those. Uh, we're going to use them actually in Rwanda for us as well as the AI, ASI sermons, and you'll have both of them. We'll talk about that a little bit later. So why evangelism? Kathy, Romans, you, you told me last night this is one of your favorite texts. You want to help us? Romans 10, 14. Take your Bibles and turn to Romans 10, 14. Can you see it? Are we, are we blocking your way? Should we, are we all right back here? Okay, good. Tell us if we are. Don't throw rotten tomatoes at us or anything. Just tell us to move. <laughs> Romans 10, 14. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And we hope each one of you will bring good news to Rwanda. Now let's go to the next text. Um, it's not on the screen, I don't think. It's, Jesus tells us to, and that's in Matthew 28, verse 18. Let's go to that. And we'll read that one as well. We need to be sent, called, sent. And he gives us a great commission, Matthew 28, 18. Matthew 28, 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age, or lo, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Kathy, I read that to a group of pastors one time, and you know, the King James says, and lo, I'm with you always to the end of the age. And uh, one, one pastor said, I'm not going. We were talking to him about going on mission projects and preaching. And I said, why? He said, God won't be with me. I said, what are you talking about? Well, he said, uh, to get to those projects, you have to fly, right? Yep. Well, God says, lo, he's with us. He's down here on the earth. He's low. <laughs> not up there in the air. <laughs> of course, it doesn't mean that, and he knew that too. But God will be with us. It doesn't matter where we go. One reason that we encourage young people to go overseas and preach their first meeting, and others too, is because it's easier. It's much easier. To stand up in front of your own church is wonderful. You need to do that, and you'll have that opportunity. But the first experience we have found is much easier. One problem that we all have, we're just a bit inhibited, aren't we, honey? Just a bit. <laughs> a lot. And so that, that's a problem that we have, to stand up and to preach. You know, um, wow, you think, I just can't do this. I want to die. And the, the, the interesting thing is, you know, we have... We've helped almost 3,000 people do this in the States and overseas, and no one has died. Can, can you imagine that? I can't. I 
<laughs> no, the, the nice thing, young people, listen to me. The wonderful thing about this is the people out there, you don't know. And if you mess up, you'll never see them again. You don't have to be embarrassed. And if you mess up, your translator will fix it. Isn't that wonderful? And you just go on, and you know that he's going to fix it because he knows the sermon better than you do. <laughs> and it'll be all right. And it's just a wonderful experience. And when you make your first call, we'll talk about that in a few minutes. When you make your first call, there's nothing like having people come forward to accept Jesus. Kathy, what happened when you made your first call? Wow. You know, um, 11 years ago, my life was totally changed, totally changed. Like Dwayne said, I would never get up in front, ever, ever, ever. And then when Duane was president of the Arizona Conference, Elder Robert Falkenberg, who has just passed away, he was uh, director of Share Him, and he came to the Arizona camp meeting and on Sabbath afternoon had the evangelism hour. At the very end of the evangelism hour, he made a call, and he asked everyone in the aud aud huge auditorium to come forward if they felt impressed that they wanted to preach an evangelistic series. And you know, the Holy Spirit pushed me out of my seat because I would have never gone up front, ever, ever, ever. But I went up and I made that commitment. And then I started thinking, why did I do that? I mean, I, she even said to me, she said, why did you let me go? <laughs> but Dwayne was, Dwayne was far away from me. But anyway, I thought, then I got to thinking, you know, probably the opportunity will never, you know, I will never be scheduled. So I thought, oh, that, that's a good thing. That's a really good thing. But then just a, a, a short time later, ASI the officers were planning to go to Kenya and have a series of meetings. And they needed some more speakers, and so I was placed in that group. Well, I went to Oyugi's Kenya. And not only that, I was the mentor of the group. And I thought, I'm trying to teach these people how to preach when I've never done it before? But you know... I started praying for the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit changes lives. It gives you a power that you never dreamed you would have. Without prayer and the power of the Holy Spirit, you have no power, folks. So after a couple of months, see, I was always thinking of me, me, me. I, I, I can't do this. But after a couple months, one day I was praying, and the Lord spoke to me, and he said, Kathy, it's not about you. It's about me. And when we focus on Jesus and sharing Jesus, he gives us a power we never dreamed we would have. I always, whenever we do seminars, I always tell people, you may be, you may have a wonderful natural gift of speaking. But if you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit, 
you have no power because the Holy Spirit needs to impress you of what you're going to say. Not only that, the Holy Spirit needs to talk to the hearts of the people that are coming to your meetings. And so the very first night in Kenya, in Oyugi's, I got up, and you know what? I shocked myself. I wasn't one bit afraid. Not one bit afraid. How many people were there? I think the, well, I know on Sabbath there were 5,000 people at my meeting. And the lowest number I ever had was around 900. And it was amazing to me, amazing. But God blessed in such an amazing way. And at the very end, God gave 197 precious souls. And you know, I will never be the same because I got an acquired talent. I stepped out of my comfort zone and the Lord blessed me with an acquired talent. And, and he will stretch you. And if you have that natural talent, you will even be more blessed because he will stretch you there too if you just say yes. You know, I should mention another reason that we do the mission trips is, or we, do, we preach here, is that you, you reach people that others can't reach. If you're a young pre- person preaching here in the States in your meetings, you will reach people that others can't reach. We, we had uh, intense hope for kids in Phoenix, Arizona, in Scottsdale. That's the snob knob of Phoenix. People don't come to meetings in Phoenix. We had intense hope for kids there in a tent in the summertime, kids preaching. And how many people came? Well, I know on Sabbath there were 250, and it, it was the, the tent was always packed every night when we were there. And there was a young man. He was in the eighth grade preaching, and he was scared to death. And the next night, he shared his testimony with the other scared eighth grade preacher, 14 years old. And Aaron said to Cody, who had preached the previous night, you know, Cody, I can't do this. I I can't. I'm scared to death. I can't go up in front. And Cody said, it's all right, Aaron. All you have to do is go up front and you put your foot on the HS button. And Eric said, the Aaron said, the HS button. Yeah, just, just put your foot up on the platform and step right up and push down on the HS button. And uh, Aaron said again to Cody, what's the HS button? And Cody said, the Holy Spirit button. Just go up front on that stage and put your foot on the Holy Spirit button. And Aaron, at the very end, said, Cody, it worked. It worked. I put my foot on the HS button, and it worked. The Holy Spirit was with me. I can do all things through Christ who, who strengthens me, right? God is able to do. What is that text in Ephesians 3? Remember that? 320, God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. It's not about you. It's about who? It's about God, isn't it? That's right, the Great Commission. Jesus tells us to. Why do we do it? 
he tells us to. By the way, we reach people overseas, too, that others don't reach. Young people do here. They do overseas as well. I had a pastor preaching in, in the Philippines once, pre- preached his first evangelistic series. It was in the Philippines, a young pastor. And as he was preaching, a Catholic priest walked by the door and heard an American's voice. And he thought, huh, that's interesting. Had a Filipino been preaching, he wouldn't have gone in. But he went in this little Adventist church. He sat down the back row, and he listened. The next night, he listened. The next night, he was back. He listened. The next night, he was back. He listened. At the end, the Catholic priest was baptized. We reach people in our areas, in our age groups, or wherever, in the states or overseas, that others don't reach. God needs you. What's that say? Africa needs you. Yeah, that's right. That's the, who is that? G-Y-C, right? God needs you, right? Go preach and teach and baptize. baptize. Evangelism is God's means of saving who? Lost people. Luke 19.10. Luke 19.10. Well, I'm looking for this. I think we ought to have everybody stand up and, and raise their hands above their heads. Okay. Yep, yeah, it's, I know you, you're up late last night, and we only have about 20 minutes left for this first session. Stand up once. Raise your hands up. Breathe in. Push out. Put your hands down. Up again. Breathe in. Push out. Okay, sit down and hold the back out. <laughs> <laughs> it is kind of warm, yeah, so that... Actually, we'll do that twice this afternoon. This afternoon, we'll have practice preaching, and we're going to show you how the program works. How many here can read? Is there anybody who can't read? <laughs> if you can read, you can preach. The, the sermons are prepared. Prepared. The notes are there. It's easy. It's on the computer. We'll show you this afternoon. It's very, very easy, and we have done this many times with ASI and others, and uh, when people see that, they say, yes, that works. Kathy, Luke, 1910. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. So we're all lost. He came to what? Seek and save the lost, right? Do you know this guy? You know, he, he is a, a billionaire. He has made so much money on his, his very violent. I <laughs> hope you haven't watched any of his stuff. But <laughs> Harrison Ford. A reporter was near him once and heard him say, I wish I had what I ain't got. <laughs> and the reporter said, well, Mr. Ford, what is it you ain't got? And he responded and said, wow, peace. Peace. Movie stars need peace. We'll tell you about a church plant in Malibu, California, where a lady has planted a church there by prayer in a bit. Movie stars need peace. Peace. Thank you very much. We get another microphone. Okay. One actually, strength to resist evil is best gained through what? 
Did you know that? Isn't that pretty good? Actually, Apostles, page 105, strength to resist evil. You want to overcome? How many want to be overcomers? Yeah, right? Strength to resist evil is best gained through aggressive service, having those extreme experiences, jumping out of the boat. Yeah, Acts of the Apostles, page 105. I want to tell you a story about Julie. Uh, we were doing a mission trip in Mexico in Veracruz, and Julie lived in Houston, Texas. Julie, when she was 12 years old, her mother moved from Salvador to Houston, and she was by herself. She had two girls, a 12-year-old and 11-year-old. And she started taking them to nightclubs, doing clubbing with them to earn money. Did you hear me? Did you hear me? And this went on for eight years, 10 years, when Julie was 22. Her, her sister two years before had found Jesus and had gotten married and was baptized. Julie had never been to church in her life. It was New Year's Eve, and there was a terrible car accident. Actually, Julie, she told me, she said, you know, I was so much into drugs and alcohol. She said, if you look at all the pictures taken of me since I was 12 years old, you'll never see me without a glass of alcohol in my hand. She couldn't stand her life. And so she would drink and drink. And there was alcohol involved. There's a terrible accident. It's New Year's Eve. She's standing outside the car. She jumps out of the way, and another lady is hit. She's totally cut in two. Julie is in the hospital. She's recovering. She goes back home, and she uh, is off of work, and she is looking for something in her closet. And a little book falls out called Steps to Christ that her sister had given her. And she says she used to get on her knees and pray, God, I, I, and cry, I can't, you know, help me. And, and so God sent help. And so she went to church for her first time in her life. And the people were talking about going on a mission trip, and they said, we need somebody to help us with the computer. And they, the next week they talked more about it, and they said, we need someone. And she said, I could do that. And so here we are. She's on a bus, the Montemorelos bus, going across Mexico with a group of people from Houston. They're going, Kath and I flew down. We met them in Veracruz. And, and Julie. Go ahead. Okay. And Ju Julie is, is looking at the sermons because she's going to help someone else preach with, with her, the computers. And so she's looking at this, and Susana Facundo, my assistant, walks by from Southwestern Union. We were in the Union then in Dallas. And she walks by, and, and she sees her with her computer, and she says, you're going to preach? Now, remember, Julie's not an Adventist. She's not a Christian. She has been to church twice in her life. <laughs> and uh, Julie says, uh, 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 yeah. <laughs> and so we didn't know this. And here she's, she, Susanna doesn't know it. And so we're in Veracruz, and she starts to preach. Now, Kathy, you talk to her. Yes, and Julia said, I didn't even know, I didn't know any of the books of the Bible. I had no idea where John was or Matthew or Mark or Revelation or even Genesis. She knew who, who Peter was or, or John no. or Moses. She knew nothing. And after the first uh, night, which we preached on Daniel too, she, sa she came to me and she said, do we have to preach this prophecy stuff? And I said, yeah, we need to preach this prophecy. 
And she said, oh, boy, this is hard. I had no idea. She didn't know anything about she it. But every day, here's, here's the thing, folks. Every day on the mission trip, we have worship together. And someone is chosen from the group to have the sermon for that night. They're preaching the sermon during the worship time that is going to be preached at that night. And then they practice three times on their own. That's out right. Loud. Out loud. Out loud. Out loud. Out loud. Yes. Three times. Out loud. And then <laughs> you're familiar with the sermon, and it, it becomes your own. The more we practice, practice, practice. As Julie got into this, she got so excited. She, she said to us later, she said, I, I would read the sermon, and I'd go over and practice it, and I thought, wow, God, 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 God did that for me. I, I can't wait until tomorrow night's sermon to see what else he did. That's right. And every day, she was more and more excited until she was baptized the last Sabbath. But not only that, just a few months later, we went to the Dominican Republic, and Julia came with us. And here she was. Remember, she didn't know anything about the Bible before that trip to Veracruz. Here she was helping university students with their sermons in the Dominican Republic. Uh, we went in March, and this, that was June. And the next year, we went to uh, Costa Rica. She did the same thing. And the next That's year, right. she preached a series in Houston. That's right. So God is amazing. He's amazing what he will do in and through us if we only allow him. Just listen to Julie's testimony. hard for me because I feel like I, I didn't like I didn't deserve that so I got on my knees I cried for a few days wow. and it's just like something just relieved me from everything so they're getting ready to go and preach exactly. in Veracruz they're working with their computer so they share him sermons exactly uh -huh. so I said you know what I can go with you guys and help you guys with the slideshows yeah. I can show you guys but how to work you've been going to church only two months no two for two weeks two weeks you've been going two to church weeks. for two weeks two weeks so that day, um, they said, well, you know what, this is, this is how much it's going to be. So I saved my savings account, and that's exactly the money I had. My passport was expired since 2004. Oh. Wow. And whenever I went to get my passport, they had told me that the, the, the earliest they could give me the, pass the passport was in three days. Uh -huh. And we needed to leave that same day at 4 o'clock. That day, I went over there, and the agent that that helped me out with my passport <clears throat> she read the letter saying that i was going to a missionary trip uh -huh. 
that's the, that on Wednesday, which was the next day. But it was, you know, we really needed to leave that day, yeah. the same day. So she was like, so you guys leaving tomorrow? And I was like, yeah. So he, she was like, you know, it's going to be impossible for you to get your passport in, in less than three days. And then she read, Seventh Adventist? She was like, I'm a Seventh Adventist too. <laughs> so she was like, hold on a minute. She went to go talk to her supervisor. Her, super, her supervisor approved for my passport to be ready by 2.30 that day. And we left that day at 7 o'clock from Houston. We were going in the bus and I'm practicing the sermon. She comes back to me and she's like, oh, you're studying the sermons. Are you preaching? Okay. And I said, uh, no. She asked me, you want to preach? And I said, yes, uh, yeah. And I just said, oh, yeah. And I didn't know anything about the Bible. How am I going to stand up there and preach? You've been going to church two weeks. You're not baptized. And they've asked you to preach. I couldn't believe that I said yes. I don't even know why I said yes at that moment. But getting over there, they tell me that my, they told me they assigned a church for everybody. Yeah. I'm going to be in charge for like a whole week and a half to give to preach every night yeah. by myself right and it's like how am i gonna do it they told me you know you have to pray and ask god for him to give you the strength for him to give you you know for him to be with you with the holy spirit the whole time so so he can be the one talking and not you on one of the sermons it was about baptism yes that's whenever after finishing the sermon i told him that i wanted to share my testimony with them these people like they identify with me sure and they saw an example in me and everything that i will like in, in all the sermons i will share my personal experience yes. and how god worked on me right and that was just touching people sure and those two those two guys that will come drunk they decided to get baptized wow. when i told them that i that i i wasn't baptized first and that just like them, I was one of the persons that I was the one preaching the word, but at the same time, I was Amen. learning from Amen. it. And I said, there's wow. so much water out there, yeah. nobody can stop us from baptizing. <laughs> so, so how many were baptized? How many decisions? Seven. From, seven, seven were baptized from your church. Seven. And when and you made that appeal to be baptized like you. Yes. When I started, the church only had 30 members. And right now, when I left, it there was 80 members. 80 members. 80 members. 30 to 80. 80. Wow. In June, I'm going. I'm gonna go preach. Where? At Republica. What do you think of that? God does amazing things with each one of our lives. We we have no idea from day to day what God. What surprises God has in store for us? Evangelism opens the channels of the heart to receive the Holy Spirit. Amen? We know that in the book of Acts, as at the early church, uh, it's quite incredible when you think about it. In, in Acts 8, 1, 8. Acts 1, 8 says. Acts 1, 8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem or Rwanda. 
Rwanda, does it say Rwanda? It does. Well, I I know, you know, wherever we are, we'll be his witnesses in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So we pray for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Kathy, there's a young lady. She's Catholic. Her name is Joanne in in Arizona. She was going to one of our schools there. And, 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 and the school was having a series of meetings, and they asked her to preach, and her mother said she couldn't. That's right. Uh, the academy decided with the local church to have a series of evangelistic meetings. And instead of having the same evangelist every night, they decided that they would have one or two or three or four or a half a dozen or ten students preach the series so each night a different student preached a series a a sermon and this so impacted joanne's life and she was asked to preach a series a a sermon actually she was asked to preach two and on one of the sermons was baptism and she asked her mother to come to the meeting that night and listen to joanne's testimony now, her mother knew that she wanted to be baptized. She had told her that as she was going through the series. And her mother said, absolutely not. We're Catholics. Your grandparents were Catholics. Uh, your great-grandparents are Catholics. And you're, you go to the school. You can preach. And that's all right. So she asked her to come and watch her and listen to her preach. Her mother didn't know the topic was baptism. Well, it was about two years ago, my freshman year. And I actually was an Adventist at the time. Okay, okay. And so my pa- the pastor at our school was doing an evangelistic series for the youth and he actually asked me so for some reason i said yes and then after a while i was like what am i thinking what am i doing preaching to these people i don't even know what i'm doing i don't i don't even know what i'm talking about so he asked you to preach this part of this evangelistic series and you had yet not been baptized here in, in in arizona i haven't and so what happened during that um i learned and accepted the truth amen you were doing the preaching yes and you heard yourself preaching yes and you accepted what you heard yourself saying (laughs) just want to make sure i understood this yes i was preaching to myself and you decided after hearing this gifted evangelist you you decided to give your heart to the lord and be baptized yes that's great what did your family think about this um, now, are they Adventists, your family? No, actually, my family's Catholic. Oh, okay, really? What did they think about this change in your life? Um, in the beginning of the series, I told my mom I was, like, interested. Um, she wasn't exactly supportive. Mm-hmm. I mean, she'd be like, oh, whatever, you know. So I kept on praying, praying, praying to God, please help my mom, help me, help me convince my mom to let sure. me be baptized. So it was my second time preaching my last sermon uh-huh. and she came to hear you preach to hear me preach and by the end of the sermon <laughs> okay she but she was there listening to you preaching this sermon and she I, from what i understand she she gave you that green light didn't she she did today how does your mom feel in other words now what is your What's your mom feeling about what's happened to you in your life? <laughs> I mean... Is she more or less accepted the change in your life? She's, 
she's accepted it. She's not that supportive. Sure, but sure. Yeah, she's accepted it. But she came to the Dominican, mm -hmm. and she let you go to Dominican, and you preached yes. a series there. Wonderful. <laughs> Proud of you. I just want to thank Shaham, because without the evangelistic series, I wouldn't have learned anything. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have accepted God as my Savior. She was standing up there in the front crying, uh, and as she was making her appeal for people to come forward and be baptized, and her mother stood up and said, you can be baptized. It was special. Kathy? Luke 15, 7 says, I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 90 and nine righteous persons who do not need to repent. It's, it's such a blessing as we give our lives to Jesus and share with others that their hearts will be touched as well. I'm not going to tell this story now. You're going to have to come back for the second session. You won't want to miss this. This is Esther and Daryl and Mary Jo. They have a ministry that their story is absolutely incredible. They're ASI people, and you won't believe it how this lady had a dream 51 years before. You've got to hear this story. So let's stand for prayer, and you come back in 15 minutes. Bring a friend, and we'll continue on. One more hour this morning, and then one hour this afternoon, and we'll learn how to preach. I promise you, okay? Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your love. Thank you for Jesus, and bless us now as only you can as we continue to study together. Inspire us and lead us and fill us with your spirit. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Bring a friend. This message was recorded at the GYC 2015 conference called Chosen Faithful in Louisville, Kentucky. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and soul-winning Christians. To download or purchase other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org.